0: Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer.
1: And I'm Melissa Fite
0: Johnson. And joining us today, we're so happy to have Shoshana Greenberg. Hi, Shoshana.
2: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Shoshana is a fellow musical theater writer. She is a book writer and a lyricist. And Am I correct, Shoshana, that we met through the old-fashioned piano party?
2: We actually met, I believe, doing like 4 at 15 with UC Irvine doing um, those 15-minute musicals with the students.
0: That, okay. That is it. Yeah,
2: back in, I want to say, 2014.
0: That sounds right.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh, I couldn't remember. Yeah, I know. Tashauna and I do not see each other often. Right. And I was like, when was it? Was it the... And I used to do this kind of open mic thing where we would often feature uh, writers. And it's like, she yeah. must've been piano party, but you're right. It was yeah, yeah, a program where we each wrote a little mini musical for college students.
2: Right. Yes.
0: Well, it's so great to have you here, Shoshana. Could you tell us a little bit about team Greenberg?
2: Yeah. So my family, I have my parents and I have a younger sister and a younger brother. My younger brother is the one who is autistic, and I can talk a little bit more about that in a second. But yeah, so my sister, my brother and I, and I think we like had a very parenthood type growing up. Like it felt very similar to the movie in that like my family and my cousins, um, we all lived in like the same area. So we would see each other a lot like holidays and stuff. My family is not as big as, as the family in Parenthood, but it had like a, a similar feel I felt. So,
0: where did you grow up?
2: I grew up outside of Philadelphia in the Philadelphia suburbs.
0: That is where the Parenthood TV show was originally going to be set.
2: Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. so funny. My dad's side and my dad's side of the family own a, a bakery there, a family business going back like a few generations wow. called Greenberg's Bakery. And my whole family, going back to my grandparents, are uh, great grandparents are from Philadelphia. And when, when everybody came over from Europe, they came to Philadelphia. So it, it's like everybody was from like the is is around the same area. So that's why it felt like a very like parenthood style hmm. growing up. Yeah.
1: Nice. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah.
2: And we, the movie, as I was saying, the the movie Parenthood, we watched all the time when I was little with my family, and we had we'll sometimes recite lines from it, you know, <laughs> like when I'm upset, I always like to make balloon animals, you know. Stuff like that. <laughs> so I grew up with the movie. So when the show came on, my family watched it oh. uh, as well. I, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love so did that. you
0: watch? You watched all six seasons of?
2: The yeah, in real in real time. Yeah.
0: Okay. Oh, Have you rewatched it since then?
2: No, I haven't. Yeah. Oh. So that's why when I when I went to watch it again, watch this episode again, it was it was like a good jumping back in. Like, oh, I forgot about this storyline and and these these characters and you know. So, but it was it it, it slowly came back all the storylines. So cool. yeah.
0: <laughs> well, let's all jump in, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Nice. So today we are discussing Parenthood season three episode eleven, missing. It was written by Sarah Watson, directed by Dylan K. Masson. It originally aired on November 29, 2011. And here's the NBC synopsis. Christina and Adam become overwhelmed with their work schedules and put Max's well-being in danger. Also, Christina offers Amber a new opportunity, and Crosby and Jasmine struggle to deal with their complicated relationship. Meanwhile, Julia tries to keep her distance from Zoe. Sarah and Mark think deeper into their future. So first of all, this doesn't really relate to any storyline, but I liked that we got to see Zeke's commercial. (laughs) I did too.
1: (laughs) It totally made sense that they would have like a watch party for it. I wondered if that was the entire reason for that get together. And I hope it was. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I love
2: about Parenthood is that they can all get together for like something as just like simple as watching the debut of of this commercial. (laughs) 30 second ad.
0: Yeah. 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 (laughs) Well, let's start with Christina and Adam and Max and Hattie and and their family throughout this episode.
1: Before um, we dive into that, I want to say that I take a little issue with the way that the synopses. I never comment on the synop the synopses, but I was like, no, like the the, the was, it said that they put him in danger. Like, is that what that said?
0: Put Max's well being in danger.
1: I don't think that they do. <laughs> like, I, so I, I don't know. I, I guess I could see where it would come off that way, but I felt like that makes it seem like they intentionally did something wrong. And I feel like it was kind of a perfect storm. I mean, I do think their communication could have been better with each other about like what exactly their schedules were. I have thoughts on that that I'm sure we'll get to later, but I don't know. I just don't like the way it phrase that <laughs> your
0: objection is noted and logged <laughs> thank
1: you yeah. i just yeah that's all i that's all i wanted acknowledge me as the professional yeah i would, yeah. I would
2: agree with that too yeah. i would agree with it yeah well. and i don't know if i should talk about my brother now but um my, my so my brother is autistic similar to the character of max but um different I mean you know everyone who is autistic is is different so but my brother is autistic and intellectually disabled with high support needs so a little more support needs than Max has I guess and he was born in the the 80s so it was like also a very different time for Mm. autism diagnoses so when he was diagnosed it was actually he was diagnosed with pervasive development disorder not otherwise specified is like his actual diagnosis from the 80s but he is autistic and I grew up with, with that as a, as a a sibling.
0: Wow. How did you feel when you said you watched Parenthood as it aired? Did you relate to that storyline or that character then? Was it positive relating or critical or?
2: Yeah, I did in a lot of ways. I mean, it's, it, it, there's, there's so many differences, of course, and Hattie and I are not very alike in, in character, <laughs> but, but I did relate to a lot of the things. And I think what I related to most was that, like, there was a, a genuine, like, love she had that she had for her brother. And I think that because sometimes I see things with siblings, you know, stories, movies, or whatever with siblings, and there's, there's a lot of like anger and resentment, and which, which there is, like, you know, and that comes out in this episode, too. But sometimes that's, like, the main characteristic of the relationship. And for me, that, like, I love my brother. Like, I, growing up, I always did, you know, so, and, like, wanted to take care of him and all that. So it really rang true that, like, there was a lot of love mm-hmm. in their relationship. And, uh, you know, the sometimes you get angry at them and that comes out, but it's just... You know, it's just moments, you know, which which is what I related to, I think, with with their relationship. I like that.
0: Yeah. Thanks for sharing. And it is true. I think there is always definitely love present between Hattie and Max. And they have a chemistry that's very unique to them. You know, they don't feel like Amber and Drew.
3: Right. Or
0: any other sibling pairs. They have a a relationship that's all their own. That is really special.
2: Yeah. And I. This episode, well, I mean, we'll get we'll get into it. But this episode and and how how she relates to him in it is is very interesting to me. So I'm I'm very I'm excited to discuss it. Oh, I love that. That's like oh, that's a little great. teaser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. Well, first yeah. of all,
0: this is just a little fallout from the whole Rachel kissing Adam deal, but. Melissa, I want to like retroactively agree with you in our last podcast where you were complimenting how Crosby was relating to Rachel. I thought his one scene with her in this episode, he was really great with her. And I kept thinking about what you said, that he treats her like a whole person. Yeah. Not just some sort of like symbol, hot girl idea. He was also less flirty than he's ever been. He was probably episode. real
1: careful after everything that happened with Adam. Yeah. I mean, he's like, but my noted. whole
0: perspective had shifted and I, and I just, I liked it. And as I theorized in the last episode, since Adam never gave Rachel a chance to say what she thought about what had happened. Yeah. She said that she just felt really stupid. And I was like, yes, that's exactly what I thought she would have felt. That's exactly what I got from Alexandra Daddario's performance was thinking, I think this embarrassed her. Yeah. So to actually hear her say it, I felt really bad that no one had ever allowed her to actually say that out loud. It's like, maybe it would have been easier to deal with, Adam, if you had let her say that, heard her say that, told Christina that, I don't know, it was...
1: It's actually... I admire Rachel. It's actually, like, narcissistic, the way that Adam... The way he, the way he reacts, it's like, the girl has fallen in love with me. I must, I must, you know, he feel, Yeah, you know, he's like blown it up. I mean, I think someone was being nice to her and she kind of misread it and kissed him. And I think, she, I don't think she's carrying a torch or anything like yeah. that. And I appreciated the show showcasing just a much less dramatic thing than shows usually do. I feel like in real life, what's more likely to happen is a misunderstanding like that or something being awkward rather than, oh, they've hired a full-blown stalker. This is swim <laughs> fan. This is, you know, like, I don't think that's real life very much, but I could see this very thing happening.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the star of this episode for me was Christina.
1: Interesting. I am
0: just... Loving season three, Christina. Season one, I was kind of middle of the road. And most of season two, I honestly sort of disliked her. She was just aggravating. And I felt like always on the wrong side of every issue. But I think she's so great in season three. And in this episode, I felt like she could do no wrong. And I loved her faith in Amber Mm. and her generosity in giving Amber a chance to work on the campaign. She seemed really genuine and encouraging. You guys might hear in my voice today that I'm a little under the weather. And Christina said that she was fighting a little bit of a cold. And I thought you could hear that in this episode also. Just a tangent.
4: <laughs> throwing in there.
0: One more tangent about Christina and Amber. I remember reading an article a while ago about how your welcome is starting to become much less common. Because people now think that it sounds patronizing or like you were really expecting gratitude or like just sarcastic you're welcome huh but i thought that christina's you're welcome in her scene with amber was so sincere and proof that it can be done in a really heartfelt way and when she walked out and amber said wait thank you i was like oh this is a little corny but then i thought her welcome was so great i was like i buy it hey um
3: thank you you're welcome
0: <laughs> I mean, you might think I'm reading too much into it, and also to see her say it adds a lot. I just really appreciated it because I thought Christina did do a nice thing and she should be thanked. Not that she should expect, you know, for Amber to come kiss her ring or anything, but that's not what she was doing. <laughs> no. It was, yes, I did something nice for you because I think you deserve an opportunity and you are welcome. I don't, I just loved it. That's cool.
1: The thing that really struck me about that scene was how far they've come since season one when Christina called Amber a whore, basically, like for the whole Amber sleeping with Steve thing. And then also, I really liked the subtle acknowledgement of Amber's like meltdown in season two when she worked with Julia, you know, and she was like, I don't have the best track record with family business. I liked that she said that because... I would get why she would be really nervous that she'd mess it up again. I don't think she will. Like, I think that was a certain time and place in her life when, you know, she had just found out she wasn't getting into college and she just melted down. But I I love that she acknowledged it and that Christina doesn't, isn't worried. She's giving her the chance anyway. Yeah. I also thought it was hilarious when Sarah at the, you know viagra commercial party (laughs) that sarah was kind of pushing amber onto her brothers and was like hire her and adam has that throwaway line where he's like that would have been nice like why didn't we (laughs) think of that before we (laughs) hired this girl who kissed me and made my life completely insane
0: (laughs) true yeah i should note that this is the first episode featuring jonathan tucker as bob little
1: I, uh, I had him pop, like, I had my, my husband walk through, I was like, hey, do you remember that Oscar short we saw about the skinhead who ends up getting kidnapped by black people and tattooed completely black, and then shot dead by his son who is taught to be racist? Sorry, that's the entire plot of that sh- Oscar short, but Whoa. anyway, that's Jonathan Tucker it's nuts
0: <laughs> it's what is like, that short called do you I, remember i
1: think it's called skin it won the oscar a couple years ago for wow. best short film wow yeah he's really convincing as a skinhead and also as this sort of earnest politician
0: <laughs> so <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> Well, Christina going back to work leads to some scheduling conflict. Why is he so
3: upset? He never cares whether I go or not. It's not about you, Adam, okay? I have to work tomorrow, therefore no one can take him to the museum. Since that's when? what this is about. Since
5: This is news to me. I have
3: a meeting tomorrow. It was just called, I can't control well, it, I have to go. a heads would have been nice. What, should I have called your secretary?
5: Very funny. Should've I would have just ring. appreciated a heads up, that's oh, all. Oh,
3: okay, next time I will call her.
1: The way that Adam's like why didn't you mention this before? A heads up would have been nice. I'm like, you literally just got home and informed Christina that you have to work tomorrow. She could easily say a heads up might've been nice. Like that is becoming one of my most frustrating things about Adam is how often he does the very things he like scolds other people for, namely Christina. You know, the, the time that Christina accepted that promotion at work and he like lectured her about it like you have to run that by your family but then he tells Crosby he'll go into business with him and says don't tell Christina. (laughs) start a business. Right and he's like don't tell Christina I haven't told her yet and I'm like so you think that the wife needs to give you a heads up you don't really feel like you need to give her a heads up and I think that's just something that I've started noticing like even in these episodes where she's obviously mad at him and he's wanting to make it right He's still doing this sort of traditional patriarchal shit. All right. (laughs) This is all just... Yeah, but anyway. But I did also wonder, Shoshana, if you had any thoughts on that particular scene or just the the basic setup of, you know, plans changing. I wondered, was that ever something that happened with you and and your brother or not, not really or...
2: Less so. I mean, my brother is not in the same way like like he's a lot more go with the flow oh, cool. than 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 Max is. My brother's also not very verbal, so mm. it's like a, also a very different dynamic. I mean, definitely plans changed a lot with, you know, we're family with two working parents and, and three kids. So, you know, it's that same kind of thing would happen. But yeah, my brother definitely did not have that same, like, you said we were going to go here and today and, and we're not doing that. I think I probably would have been more upset <laughs> <laughs> if, if the plans, if I, you know, I was expecting to go somewhere and the plans changed. I actually i did question i mean i guess this happens when you're working on a campaign but like i thought that it was kind of unfair to assume that christina was just going to come in the next day on a weekend and work whatever it is maybe that's just the nature of of that campaign but i i just was like that seems a little unfair to expect yeah it's it's like her first day you know yeah (laughs) and just be like actually can you come in on a saturday we know you have kids but you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah not only does she have those older kids that's true i mean like they're asking this woman who like just gave As birth yeah I was an infant yeah. right. <laughs> like good thing she was able yeah. to <laughs> find right? and
2: like it's I, I you know it's great that she could be there and like start contributing the way you know she's gonna be contributing and and being a great person on this campaign but i but i i felt like in a, in a workplace you know she should have been able to be to say i It's a Saturday. I can't come in that day. Let's plan for the next meeting that I can be there, you know, yeah, (laughs) kind of thing. It just seemed very like typical, like working mother in a a bad situation.
1: Yeah. It was pretty presumptuous, wasn't it? (laughs) That was, yeah. When I
0: wonder if she did it willingly, like if if they might have been willing to say, oh, no one got the message to you. It's all right. But she was so eager to make a good first impression. And maybe was just so excited to start the job. I mean, they didn't I can make see that, that explicit yeah. so
2: I can see that as well yeah that she was she just wanted to be there and was like we're just gonna change the day tomorrow because I
0: want to do this yeah. I could
2: see that yeah
0: yeah and in the previous episode she did basically say like I'm gonna start putting myself first
2: yes yeah, so that makes sense. I
0: think that's what I liked so much about her in this episode was just like yeah you do you Christina. You don't have to be at everyone's beck and call all the time.
1: I think, right? yes, I feel the same. And I think that was part of what bothered me about Adam. You know, he acted like she was really out of line to just do something like that for work and herself. Yet he does it without a second thought. And I think a lot of families are like that. Like, I'm really lucky that mine isn't. You know, Mark and I, I think, are like really partners in that sense, but we also don't have kids. Like it would be, if we both needed to work on a Saturday, we could, you know, that's another thing. Like, I don't know how our dynamic would shift with that, but I just, I do think there's something kind of sucky that Adam just assumes it's fine, but it might be a braverment trait because I could totally see Julia doing that with Joel. Yeah.
0: <laughs> there was one deleted scene from this episode on the DVD and it was Adam getting that scheduling conflict at work. Someone wanting to come in the next day. And so it was Adam with Crosby. And Adam says, Crosby, can you come in? Mm. And Crosby says, Oh, I have Jabbar tomorrow. And I only get to see him so much anytime. Yeah. And Adam just immediately accepts that.
2: Yeah. It sounds like he would have appreciated the heads up because then he could have told the client a different day already like oh. if he had known that yeah, he would have that's... been needed on saturday then he could have scheduled it differently yeah. and now it's too late that seems better
1: yeah i'm glad you said that because that makes me like adam a little more like maybe he would have
2: but it's not like he said that
0: you know? he, he <laughs> <Right. doesn't... laughs> well and what's under all of this i think is that it's not really about the schedule they have this other issue that's yes. kind of an open wound right now And while it's unpleasant to watch, I really kind of appreciated the open resentment between Adam and Christina. I think what I liked most about it was that it didn't feel at all like it was a prelude to larger ramifications. It's not like, oh, my gosh, their marriage is in trouble. It never felt like that, at least to me. It seemed like they both knew we'll get through this, but right now we're in the middle of it and we're just going to be cold to each other and it's just going to suck for a little while. Well, and even Adam early on in the episode says, how long are you going to be mad at me? And she says, I don't know. And it didn't seem (laughs) spiteful or vindictive. It just seemed like I'm processing this and it's going to take however long it's going to take. And implicit in that seemed like I won't be mad at you forever. Mm. So it wasn't just nasty it was, and, and I've never been married, you know, but to me, it felt really authentic that it's like you just go through those times, I would think, where, man, we're just ticked at each other and we're just on each other's nerves, but it won't last forever.
1: You know, I agree with all of that, although I did think that the way she said, I don't know, and then shut the door. Was a little nasty, but I was here for it. I <laughs> loved it. I actually made Mark come through and I like, rewound it. I was like, watch that. We both thought it was badass because, you know, we're Team Christina on this issue anyway, and he just really handled that poorly. But I thought it wasn't so mean that it was over the top or like, God, you're just being cruel, Christina. You know, it just felt like the right note of, I don't know. <laughs> It was just, I I really appreciated that. And it does feel like a new Christina or something. Like in the past, she's usually so quick to smooth things over. And this felt like her, like weirdly, I feel like her being angry is so healthy and good because... Yeah, she's done with, as she said last season being, like or last episode, being like, Mrs. Braverman, I'm just always here for you. I always have your back. You know, it felt like she really was thinking, how can I put myself first?
0: Well, and this time she was angry about something that affected her. Yeah. Like, I feel like often she is angry on behalf of other people. Yeah. Like, oh, Amber, you slept with my daughter's girlfriend. So on Hattie's behalf, I'm furious at you. Yeah. Until I decide I'm not anymore. And... Now it's like she was the wronged party in this predicament. So I think she gets to be mad for herself. Yeah. And I liked that because she has had a little trait before of she's mad until she decides she's not anymore. And Mm -hmm. then she wants the problem to go away. Yeah. (laughs) And it was something I thought about in this episode. She still kind of did that with those phone calls to Rachel, but it didn't bother me this time because I thought, you're the person in this scenario who gets to decide when you're done being angry about it because it happened to you, yeah, yeah,
2: I mean, I think she like she's definitely justified in being mad, and I think I agree with you in that you know she's definitely a more interesting a character to me in this season, and especially in this episode that she is more active on her own behalf because. I think one of you mentioned earlier that you weren't as keen on her as a character earlier on. And I think I had the same trajectory with her, whereas like she was a character I wasn't that into in the first season or two. And then she kind of grew on me. And it it is interesting to look at her now specifically in the, these moments and look at, you know, this this is where she she does kind of get more interesting. And maybe it's because of what she's doing here.
0: Yeah, and I hate to imply that I'm not interested in her if all she's doing is taking care of her family because I don't mean that. It's not like, well, now that Christina has a job, I find her yeah. worthy of my attention. Not at all. It just I think I love seeing that transition that she is such a great mom and that's a story the show has told many times and now they're showing that great mom being a great campaign worker.
4: Mm -hmm. And how
0: those things can coexist. Like I loved her scene with Sarah where she dropped Nora off and she said that she felt really guilty leaving her. And then she copped to the fact that actually I don't feel guilty at all. I'm so excited. (laughs) I thought that's great. And I don't I don't think that diminishes her value as a mother at all. No. And she's leaving her child with someone who loves her and will be well cared for and. And when Christina comes back from that day at work, she'll be a better mom because she will feel fulfilled and she'll devote her attention to the baby and not resent that she spent all day with it. And, you know, right? I just I love it. She shouldn't have to feel guilty. Totally
1: with you on that. I, I loved that scene, too. I thought, talk about coming a long way. You know, I, I said that about Christina and Amber's scene, but really Christina and Sarah, too, over the past couple of seasons there have been like friction and you kind of, at least I got the sense that Christina would judge Sarah, you know, and it was lovely to see them really appear to be friends and just kind of confide in each other. And I, I loved that. It reminded me of scenes that we've seen between Sarah and Julia before, but I don't know that we've really gotten very many of those with Sarah and Christina. So loved that. And I love the little throwaway line that she was wearing the outfit that Sarah got her. And she's like, yeah, I love a jean jacket on a baby. And I'm like, I didn't even know that, but I love a jean jacket on a baby, as it turns out.
0: (laughs) So cute. Well, what did you both think of this first phone call between Rachel and Christina?
3: Hey, what's up? Christina? Hi, it's Rachel. Am I catching you at a bad time? It's not a great time, Rachel. What? I'm sorry to call you on the weekend. I'm sure you're really busy with the kids. (sighs) Actually, I'm working. Is Adam okay? Does he need something? What's going on? No. I just, I I can call you back when it's a better time. Rachel, what is it? I I just wanted to say that I'm really, really sorry. And I know that you're upset with Adam. And you really shouldn't be. He absolutely did nothing wrong. It's completely my fault. And I have no excuses for my bad behavior. And I am so, so, so sorry. Okay, I have to go. (laughs)
2: Hmm. so
0: what did you think of that do you think Rachel did she have the right to call her and or was it a good idea
2: well I mean I think I can understand why she would want to call like I definitely understand that impulse and like whenever I feel like I've done something wrong like my first instinct is to reach out to the person I've wronged and like try to explain but it just seems like in this situation this call was not the best idea and was kind of making it worse in a way. But but I get why she would want to call, so I don't know. I, I don't know what I would do in her situation, actually.
1: I, I totally get that. I thought it was really brave
2: of Rachel to do that
1: because, honestly, I don't know if it was a good idea or not, I guess. But I my takeaway is really that it was it was brave to try. You know, at this point, Rachel knows, since Crosby told her, she knows that that uh, Christina knows, and God, that would be so awkward. I don't know how I would go to work every day, knowing that I was working with this man who I tried to kiss. I'm so embarrassed, and his wife knows, and I wasn't doing anything about it. I, I think I would have done the exact same thing. No, I wouldn't have kissed my married boss, but if <laughs> I, but this part, this part, I would have done the exact same thing and uh, and tried to make it right. Christina was awfully harsh, I thought, but I don't blame her. I get I get it. And she was expecting Adam. And, and then what a surprise that you got Rachel yeah. instead.
2: And she was just about to go into this meeting. Like, I feel bad, like, that she had to deal with that right before she was, like, going into this thing. That was so important to her. And she, like, really wanted to focus. So. Yes. Yeah. Well,
0: and poor Rachel. It was she didn't. Whether it was a good idea or not, it didn't go great. No. <laughs> like, it took her forever to actually spit out the reason for calling. And she didn't know that Christina was, like, in a rush. Like, I- I'm right. waiting to go into this meeting. What do you have to say to me? And then, like, saying, I'm sure you're busy with the kids. Oh. As if the only thing that Christina could possibly be doing is tending to her family. I
1: didn't even catch that. You That's know, a good point. I'm at a
0: job right now. <laughs> well, She's like, I'm actually yeah. working? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, not great. I didn't even think about it until I just posed this question and heard your responses. It's occurring to me that to a certain extent, I don't think Rachel wronged Christina. Hmm. Christina is mad at Adam. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure Christina is no fan of Rachel's, yeah, but who betrayed Christina? Adam because yeah. she trusted Adam. And so that is where the bulk of her resentment is focused. And I do agree that it was brave of Rachel. To make that gesture and I sort of appreciate that and I understand the desire to make it clear to Christina that it's not going to happen again. But in a way it's like just let her be mad at Adam.
4: Hmm. Right. You're
0: sort of the third wheel in this conflict. Adam can be mad at you because he's your boss and you guys actually have a relationship but like Christina and Rachel don't really. Yeah. I also, I didn't love that what Rachel said, it sounded like she was defending Adam rather than clearing her own air. Like, hi, Mrs. Braverman, I want you to know I won't ever do that again, I promise you. You feel however you want to about Adam. Right. But don't worry about me.
1: I agree with that. I was like, wait, it's almost weird that you're like, Adam did nothing wrong. Then I'd be like, why did you do it? (laughs) What were you thinking? Because it's not. and I don't think yeah I mean I don't think he meant to do anything wrong but he you know we've talked about what we think he did wrong just kind of unintentionally leading her on and yeah
2: yeah it just felt like something that a younger person would do like she just seems really young in this moment whereas like with a little more wisdom she might have made a different choice here but it just seems like she just seems so young and like not sure of what to do and like this is this is how she is viewing the situation as oh. as someone with not a lot of ex- experience. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and I kind of appreciate I guess that it was a phone call you know, she didn't do something really over the top, like send a fruit basket. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like show up at the, She could have showed up at the door. I could certainly yeah. see that happening on a TV show. Yeah,
1: this is yeah. much better. And, you know, I, I kind of appreciated the directness of the gesture. Like, I think it's why I just kept thinking it was brave and, and how it really, I was so struck by the humanity of it. Like, that sounds maybe really dramatic, but... I just think so many shows would hire a beautiful young woman and she would simply be a temptress. She wouldn't be a person. And I really feel like this character was allowed to be a person. She wasn't trying to seduce this man away from his wife. She was going through her own stuff, it seems. Yeah, made she a, has a
0: conscience. Yeah,
1: made a mistake, feels real dumb and embarrassed. And I love that we get to see those layers too, not just the the temptress quote-unquote layer.
0: Well, and what's so sad is that she's maybe driven to this gesture because things feel so bad at work. Yeah. Adam's treating her differently. Yeah. Maybe she's just like, okay, if I can resolve this for him, will he start treating me better? Yeah. I'm just like, oh Yeah, what so if he now, could just talk? Now it's really affecting her work environment. And yeah, yeah some of that's on her because she made a not great choice. But also Adam... <laughs> get it together. And like, I don't know. And I wonder now if I'm realizing if that's a little bit about, cause I didn't blame Christina in the moment all that much for hanging up on her. Yeah. Cause it was kind of like, you know what? I got to go. <laughs> like, I can't deal with this. right You now. clearly don't know what is happening in my life right now. And I just, I don't have time for this, but I think also it might've been, I'm still mad at my husband. Mm. I haven't resolved that yet. And I can't make room for you. Yeah, in my you know mental arrangement of things until that is resolved, and once it is resolved, then she calls her, and then they actually sort of put the matter to rest.
3: Hi, the luncheonette. This is Rachel. Hi, Rachel. It's Christina Braverman, Adam's wife. Hi, Mrs. Braverman. Um, Adam isn't in. I know. I'm actually calling to talk to you. That thing that you did with my husband, not cool. Don't ever do it again. You got it? I will not ever, ever again. Good, then I guess we're good. Have a great day, Rachel.
0: (laughs) Very direct.
2: Very direct, yeah. It felt like she was just like viewing her as the young person that I have said that, you know, I, I see her as as well and was like this poor girl needs some closure on this. I'm just gonna give it to her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I
2: love that. It's
0: kind of generous in that. Yeah. Perspective.
2: Yeah, I I part of me was
1: like, good God, everyone has told her that thing you did. Not cool. <laughs> I'm like, she gets that, but at the same time, I I get that Christina needed closure as well. I think you know, and maybe it needed to be on her terms, like. You don't, you don't call me. I'm going to call you. I'm going to tell you that I forgive yeah. you, that it's over, as long as, as long as you never do it again. So I, I get that, even, even though part of me is like it's a little harsh, but then I'm like, eh, you know, Rachel kissed her husband. That's fair. And I really loved – okay, so maybe this is me reading into stuff too much, the way that Caleb loved the, the you're welcome – I loved, <laughs> <laughs> I loved the have a great day, Rachel, like at the end, the, the using Rachel's name, humanizing her at the end, I felt like, like she was kind of harsh the rest of that phone call. And then she was like, okay, then I guess we're, we're good. Have a great day. And, and it didn't seem to me at least dismissive or rude or like snarky. It seemed genuine. Like we're really okay now. Like. Now that this has been settled, we're OK.
0: Yeah. Well, and I liked, I mean, as I just said, it, it did feel like she had to clean up the mess with Adam. Mm-hmm. And then once that was done, OK, what do I need to communicate to Rachel? That wasn't cool. Don't ever do it again. That's all. Yeah. Her beef is not so much with Rachel, I don't think.
1: No, I don't think It so.
0: is what Rachel activated in their marriage. Yeah. It set off a little bomb. And she had to clean up that wreckage. Nicely Once put. it was clean, it was like, okay, don't plant bombs anymore, okay? And <laughs> And I think she knows probably because of Rachel's first phone call that Rachel really doesn't want to. It's not like she has her eyes on Adam. Yeah.
1: And I did think that the resolution was interesting. It wasn't really that they worked through it. It was that maybe they just got some perspective with losing Max. You know, I think maybe it was more like, Oh, you know what? This doesn't actually matter. It's fine. Like, you know, it was not like they had a really great talk and came to an understanding.
5: We're going to figure this out, okay? If we're both going to be working, we have to. Just got to communicate better. and We're a team, right? Yep. Okay. Adam, we almost
3: lost a kid today. I mean. How is this? Gonna? We
4: did
5: lose a kid. Today. We did
3: lose a kid today. And it was my fault. Yes, it was.
5: No, Christina. It's not your fault.
3: Honey, I had my phone on silent because I was mad at you. It's my fault. Okay, well, I'm his mother. I think you
5: had a right to be mad. I said I'd fire her and I didn't. So I'm sorry. <laughs>
3: Sorry. I'm sorry too. I don't like fighting with you.
5: My okay. best friend.
3: You're my best friend. I love you. I mean more.
2: <laughs> I mean, now it's starting to get into, like, with Max, uh, because it is interesting. Like, she was like, I lost the kid. It's my fault. My phone was on silent, which is like, I know she must feel guilty for not having her phone on, so she couldn't be there to respond right away. But the kid would already have been lost at that point. Yeah, I thought the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it does. You're right. It does seem like there was just bigger things going on than that situation at at this work.
1: I buy it. I do. I buy it that like sometimes something seems really important and then something actually important happens and you're like, oh, I don't actually care as it turns out. like, Do I think you're (laughs) going to cheat on me? No. Can I actually talk to this girl and and find out she's a real person and and she's not going to do this again? And in fact, she's like really embarrassed. Okay, yeah, actually, it's fine. (laughs) You know, I could just see it seeming like the end of the world until you lose a kid and then it's like oh that's actually the end of the world got it and i thought that was an interesting resolution like no one really changed much or anything although i do think it maybe matters that adam said you had a right to be mad i said i would fire her and i didn't and that was my big beef with adam last episode was he kept trying to say he didn't do anything wrong and then
0: he did well and i i think because of that discussion we had It was my one little caveat in this scene, because I mostly loved it for all the reasons you both just said. But it did feel like if all he took away from this whole debacle was I shouldn't have said I was going to fire her and then not have fired
4: her. Mm
0: -hmm. I feel like he's missing a portion of the point.
1: I think you're right. Yeah, No,
0: there was some conduct with her that like entirely in a vacuum maybe wasn't wrong. But it wasn't entirely appropriate either. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't totally honoring your wife. Not that he, I don't think he cheated or anything, but it was like, yeah, I just wanted him to accept some responsibility for that. And, you know, even though I said last episode, like, Rachel's a grown woman. She knows what she should and shouldn't do. And she shouldn't have done that. I think that's true, too. But it's not. i Like I said, I don't think that Adam's blameless. So I wished he had gotten a little more of the point because then it felt a little shallow. Yeah. Not in its sincerity, but in its content. But yeah, I really liked what you said about something more important coming along. It That also felt like real marriage, mm-hmm. what I imagined <laughs> real marriage to be. That. And that even when someone's pissing you off, when you're really going through something and you really need someone there for you, no one's going to do it better than, you know, your person. Yeah, Christina was shaken up because she lost a kid. I'm really mad at Adam, but no one's going to understand that like he will.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, and real quick, just to go back to something you said a second ago, because it was so interesting this idea of like the content of what he apologized for felt a little shallow to you. And it didn't strike me when watching it, but now hearing you say that, I agree. I do think it would have been really interesting if he would have explored what he had done wrong. Like, you know, it really wasn't my place to tell her that she didn't have to dress a certain way. And I thought I was being protective, but who am I to do that? And what was I trying to prove? You know, if he had just like done some reflecting and questioning, or even if he had said, you know, I am attracted to her. You're right about that. But that wasn't the issue. I'm, you know, people are attractive, who cares, but you know, maybe part of me wanted to feel relevant. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, out of my comfort zone at that record studio, Crosby's always the one who's so like cool and hip and everyone looks up to him. And maybe that was a little intoxicating for me. I mean, I don't know what he would have said, but it, <laughs> but any of that would have been super interesting, but maybe that's not the time to have that talk. But I hope, I hope that he will look inward about some of yeah. that. Yeah.
0: I also completely agreed with you Shoshana about Christina's blame and blame for herself I totally believe that she would, but I truly don't think it was her fault. Yeah, her phone was on silent because she was mad. But what could she have done if she had gotten the phone call? Just worry. She could have left. She probably would have left the
2: meeting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But they were already addressing the situation. You know, cops had already been called, people were looking for him. I get that she would have wanted to know, but I don't think she did anything wrong. And also, this is. Maybe trivial, but I feel like I can relate about just you're not reachable sometimes.
4: right? Because
0: if I'm playing an audition, mm. you know, all day long, you can't have your phone out.
4: Yeah. Or right. especially
0: if I'm like teaching, coaching a singer, that is deeply active listening. I have to be mm. listening to every word the person is saying. And they're paying a lot of money. This is when I was at NYU to mm-hmm. be having that coaching. You can't have your phone out. But that means that there will just be hours of the day where I'll get your message when I get it, but it's not going to be for the next few hours.
3: Right. I wonder if
1: parents, can they do that the way we can? I mean, surely. I mean, like some parents are surgeons, you know, some parents are, yeah. you know, I'm trying to think of all these different prof- professions where, yeah, you really couldn't. Because part of me is like, well, because we have cell phones now, so many people seem to think, there's nothing that's sacred anymore you should always be reachable for exact situations like this but right. i don't know if i necessarily agree
2: it kind of reminds me of when i was a, you know when we were kids or and when i used to babysit and they would leave the phone number of the restaurant right they were going yeah to, you know it's like you can reach me here i'll be at this place but yeah, you could I mean, for so long, like when, you know, you couldn't reach a person, like have a direct line to them all the time. It's just um just like a more recent thing. Yeah. So people like I think people would make more plans, you know, like if you can't like if something happens, you need to call this place mm-hmm. and like ha- have more of a plan. And it seemed like. There was a plan like Adam was called. Adam was able to leave work and, and come back and take care of it. Yeah. But I guess it's like she didn't think about that as like a, a plan because she would have had her phone and she would have been reachable. And, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, and maybe Adam, maybe he couldn't have on the first day, but maybe he could have called the campaign mm-hmm. and said, is Christina there? Can someone go into a meeting the way that Rachel came into Adam's meeting? That's and said, right. There's an emergency. Well, and Christina says something later on about, like, you could have texted me.
2: Right. And yeah. if she
0: was noticing the missed calls, maybe if she had seen a message or she didn't have to listen to a voicemail or something. Right. But if Adam could have texted, Max is missing. Right. Of course she would have left like right but she didn't notice that there were missed calls until there were 26 of them so maybe yeah it's a moot point <laughs>
1: i think it is a moot point well and and that's what i was about to say the same thing like i thought it was i hadn't even realized until Shoshana said that that oh yeah hattie didn't even call adam's cell phone or m- maybe she tried it and couldn't get through but yeah she was able to reach adam through his work and yeah interesting but I do think it's a moot point what Christina says later and that I really really related to what she said in that moment because I think I think it's like the only thing she really does in this episode where I'm like not thinking Christina's a rock star. I'm kind of like, oh, that's a little lame, <laughs> you know, to say, well, you could have texted me. I, I, she was being defensive, but I'm like, oh, that is so human. I would have done the exact same thing. My guilt would be eating me alive that I had missed all of that. And so I would have like sort of a flimsy, <laughs> like trying to say, no, you should have done something else. But no, I mean, really, Adam and Hattie did everything they could have done to reach her. And that really yeah. was on her. I don't really blame her, but I don't think she needs to be like, you should have tried something else to reach me. And I think she knows that, right? There's no problem. Fun- right. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. totally.
0: Well, let's discuss Hattie a little bit. Yeah, Shoshana, were you, I mean, you're the oldest sibling in your family, right?
2: Right, right.
0: So were you often asked to babysit your brother?
2: So this is interesting. Well, like and your talking- sister. Yeah, well, I was talking to my sister about this, and we definitely did babysit a lot, but it was not... Ne- I don't remember any time that it was like forced on us when we didn't want to do it. Like my parents were very careful not to make my brother seem like a burden to us. Oh. Like we definitely they would ask us if we could babysit. And I don't think we ever said no. I, it's hard to remember now because being a teenager in that situation was so long ago. But we definitely did babysit if there was a time when they needed us. So when Christina says, you're babysitting your brother and that's it, that kind of struck me as a moment where I was like, oh, that would never have happened to me. Mm -hmm. Like, if I had something. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't really know what Hattie really has. I think she just doesn't want to do it, which kind of... (laughs) It's a little, she has to study or something, but like studying is something you can do at any time throughout the weekend, you know? So that was interesting to me that it was was forced upon her. And then the conversation around it was kind of like, you are the best with your brother. Mm -hmm. We'll find someone else for Nora. Like a young baby is less hard to care for than Max's. Nora, we can give to Sarah, But we would never ask Sarah to watch Max. It just struck me as like an interesting, like what we can, we can unload Nora on somebody. (laughs) You
0: know, (laughs) I did wonder the same thing practically, (laughs) but I didn't sort of read into it what you're saying, which I think makes total sense.
2: Yeah, it was just like a weird, like, it, it's just a weird dynamic. It was like, Hattie is the only person that can watch Max in this moment. I think they are, there's some throwaway... The
0: whisperer.
2: Yeah, there's like some yeah. throwaway line where they're like, we tried everybody, but like, Sarah's obviously available. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it, there is a sense of like, they are putting a lot on Hattie in this moment, even though I think she's totally capable of watching Max in this moment, and I'm also a little unclear unto, as to why she is so against doing it. Maybe she's just feeling like a resentful, like resentful in that moment that it is being put on her. In a way, I could see it being a little contrived, like on the part of the writers. Like, we need Max over here with Hattie for this storyline to happen. Yeah. We need Nora over here with Sarah for that little storyline to happen. <laughs> True, <laughs> so, <Right.
4: laughs> totally.
2: So, but also the idea of like Hattie having to take on this responsibility which is you know siblings do take on a lot of responsibility like as I said like my parents are very careful not to make it feel that way for us but in reality it is a thing where you know sometimes we do have to watch my brother because to get a babysitter for a person who has high support needs like that it's it's difficult and that's another issue with uh, with autistic people who can't be alone, you know, it is hard to find people who are willing to to watch them. So there is like there is definitely a burden there that I relate to, like aunt, for a sibling. You know, sometimes like you just have to watch your brother, wow. <laughs> and, you know, but I mean, that happens with non-autistic kids, too. Like, you know, yeah. people whose parents work and they have to watch their younger siblings is also a thing, but um, definitely relatable to watch.
0: Going back to the first thing you said, I think it's definitely a contrivance <laughs> of the show because now that I'm thinking about, like you said, yes, Sarah clearly was free, but they just, oh, they wouldn't put Max with her. What was Julia doing in this same time frame? Seems like she was taking Sydney to the park and to story hour.
4: Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Sydney,
0: maybe you'd rather go to a museum with your cousin instead. Yeah. Not like Julia was at work. And then even Crosby... Right. Yeah, he's with Jabbar. Maybe he wants just father-son time. But maybe Jabbar would want to go to a museum instead of going to get ice cream. Which he's allergic
1: to. Right. (laughs) It seems like
0: everyone was available.
1: (laughs) Well, and Camille wasn't in this episode. So, um, you know, I don't know what she was doing, but she babysits Max all the time. So...
2: Yeah, Yeah, so who knows? Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I did... I felt like I
1: got... Hattie's resentment, which is maybe a weird thing for me to say because I'm the youngest sibling, I don't have any one younger. I was never asked to babysit, but maybe that's why I feel that way because I felt like I studied a, a ton when I was in high school. You know, especially we got that storyline with with Amber last season not getting into college anywhere. I, I gotta think that's somewhere in Hattie's mind. <laughs> you know, she's probably. You know, it's her senior year. She's stressed out. She's got all these things to do. She had a sense of what her Saturday was going to be, and... I will say babysitting Max would be incredibly disruptive, you know, as as, it, as yeah. it was, you know, the line where I really felt for her was when he was like, why am I being punished? And she's like, I don't know why I'm being punished. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know, they really kind of got well, me. Well, the
0: nicer version of that was Max also says, this isn't fair. And she goes, it's not fair to me either. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I thought, yeah, yeah, that's, I really did feel for her. Upon reflection, I'm wondering a little bit if, adam and christina should have honed in on the museum issue specifically rather than just someone needs to watch max right well he's not going that's for sure so someone just needs to watch him
2: right and i kind of was confused as to if they had decided he was going to go to the museum with hattie and then hattie said no because i felt like it kind of skipped a little like (sighs) They're talking about, you know, Hattie. you're going to watch your brother? And then she's watching him and he comes in and says, you know, I've I've worked it out. Like, we're going to the museum. And she's like, we're not going to the museum today. I wasn't sure if like he still thought they were going to the museum or he had been told no, but he was still trying to get it to happen.
0: I just assumed they had told him no, but I'm not sure they ever actually did
1: right but i don't think so because she said i told you we're not going to the museum we're
2: staying home tonight like right right so it was a little unclear on like how things were communicated with max like if they were able to like sit him down and be like look we're not going to the museum it's gonna be another day and which would have been very hard for him i know But if like that was communicated clearly, I'm not quite sure. Maybe
1: that's why the synopsis blames the parents, you know, just (laughs) blames them.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I do think it is their fault. Well, and earlier when we played that scene when Adam's like, what's his problem? Usually he doesn't care if I go. And Christina says, well, I have to work too. So he can't go tomorrow. I'm sure this is colored by the fact that I know what comes after.
1: Right. But Mm -hmm. just
0: hearing that, I thought you can't just tell him kind of off the cuff we'll right. go some other time we're not gonna go tomorrow i thought yeah sit him down and I, what i really thought was pick another day right, right. then yeah right. Like, say we're gonna go we're not this going day. tomorrow we're on going Saturday. Sunday. we're gonna go yeah something else he can plan on because i did hear christina say something along the lines of like sometimes things change and this is one of those times and i'm like okay that's her trying to be like gabby replacement and right, right, those things with max but They know that that's not going to be easy for him to just adjust to. And they didn't really seem to take any measures to mitigate that. No. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I I don't think Hattie does a great job (laughs) here, but it's hard to know how much. Because if she was supposed to take him to the museum and is not doing it, like that's a different situation where she I could see her being more at fault. I got the impression that it
1: was no, like you'll just watch him. But I don't know if I'm right. I just kind of got that because she just kept saying, I need to study. And so I, I, I think I was filling in some blanks that like, well, you'll study, but you'll also be watching Max, which also doesn't right. really work because she's in her room. Like, it seems like she probably should have been studying in the kitchen or yeah. something. And he should have been in the, you know,
2: in there with her. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. that's kind of like when I watch my brother, like, I don't really have to engage with him when I watch him, which makes watching him not as huge a deal. Because he can just sit in front of the TV or whatever. But if he's downstairs, you sort of have to be downstairs with him. Yeah. Just in case, you know. (laughs) Yeah. That's why when Hattie just goes in her room and shuts the door, like, I get that she's mad, but, like. I feel like she would know not to do that.
0: Yeah. At that point, they might as well not even be in the same house.
2: Yeah. Right. She's really not watching him. She's not watching
0: him at all. (laughs) Yeah. In any sense of, she's there in case a fire starts. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. Was anyone else surprised that Max seemed to get lost? Yeah. He doesn't (laughs) seem like someone who would. Yeah. I think he would have thought, I mean, he clearly planned. Mm -hmm. My
2: sense was that he didn't actually know how the bus worked I don't know how often he's been on the bus I assume they just drive
0: Uh, yeah I think never
2: so my sense was like he got on the right bus but he just like stayed on and he didn't know where to how to get off of it and then he just picked a place to get off and obviously it was the wrong place. <laughs>
1: that would no. help me understand because I was like, how did Adam drive from the studio to the museum and back home? Like, you know, the, whole, he, he was able to cover so much ground while Max was still on the bus, you know, I'm like, and, and I get that oh, good point. driving a car would be faster, but still I'm like, how is he well, already and the
0: is in San Francisco so Yeah, he's across the bay. To...
1: Yeah. Right. He's somehow able to go to the museum and ask people. People, have you seen this kid nope he, he wasn't there and then go home and tell hattie and call a bunch of people i'm just yeah. like where is max Why is he not there
0: this is a tiny detail but the phone call voice command not working when adam was already panicking oh, yeah. that felt so relatable to me it's <laughs> like, like it always works that way doesn't it yeah like you're in a state Then every little thing that can go wrong does go wrong. And it drives me through the fucking roof. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciated the kind
1: of like humor in the midst of all that panic too. Like, like just a little moment. I mean, it wasn't funny for him, but for us, the viewers, I was like, it's nice to have like a little moment where we're laughing. Um, My thought was that I think it's pretty official that Max Burkholder, the actor, is... Maybe about two years older than the character he's playing.
0: Yeah. It's hard to remember that Max is, what, 10? I think he's supposed to be 10 or
1: 11. I mean, he's in elementary school. Yeah, he feels like a
0: young teenager yeah. in this episode. It was
1: hard to feel yeah. panicked. Yeah, I was
0: like, he seems like he's going to be fine. Like, his voice you know, is low, you know? Like, yeah. his voice but is low. But if a stage. 10-year-old were out on their own, lost, yeah, that'd be... yeah. I was Frightened. like, I think
1: in real life yeah. he was like 12 or 13 at the time. I looked that up because I was like, he's 23 now. And this was about 10 years ago, you know? So I was like, I mean, maybe that's still frightening, but
2: yeah. yeah. I mean, it's also hard because he, he is so verbal, but like with the autism, it's like if somebody were to come up to him, are you lost? Or would he be able to like say like, I'm lost. Like I live here, like all those things you would think like somebody would do, he might not be able to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of surprised that that guy that Max met on the street who said, you got any money
2: uh-huh.
0: that Max sort of read that social cue well enough to not answer him.
2: Right. Uh-huh. I
0: thought, you know, Max is going to answer a question you asked. Right. Him. But he, he seems to understand if this guy knows I have money, I think he wants it and I don't want to give it to him. So rather than lie, And rather than tell him, I'm just going to walk away, which I think is the right way to handle that.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's a
0: very sophisticated thinking for someone who doesn't usually pick up on little subtleties like that.
1: I thought the show did a really good job of like the noises becoming really overwhelming. We've seen that with him before. I mean, in the past, all it's taken is a fish tank, you know, being really loud, and he gets very overwhelmed. And so I would imagine with all these people and I feel panicked when I'm lost, you know, as, as a yeah. fully grown person, you know, it's like, it's a terrifying feeling. I imagine it's more so even when you're a kid. So I, I I thought they did a good job of ramping that up.
0: Yeah. Let's discuss his arrival back home. Welcome home
5: to the adventurer.
3: I'm gonna go to my room now.
5: Well, how about we all just hang out here and you can tell us about your adventure? Are
3: you okay? You know, I gotta feed my lizard. Do okay. no, you tell okay, us about okay. the ride
5: in the police
3: car? No, because I have to feed my lizard.
4: Are you hungry, honey?
3: No, because i not going <sighs> to have a conversation Daddy, please this? not right now. What? Let him feed his oh. lizard. You we yes. we're not going to talk to him? Honey, just let him be. He's been through a lot but today. No, just that's not him, fair. No, Max, stop.
2: Max. Max. <sighs> do you understand what happened today?
5: Well, I wanted to go to the museum.
2: Yes. Um, we know. And when you just wanted to leave and didn't say anything, do you understand that we had to spend our entire day worrying about you and wondering where you are? I didn't go to the museum.
4: I didn't get
5: to go to the museum.
4: Okay,
2: okay, well, do you get that? Do you care?
5: Max, can you look at your sister?
2: Do you care? No, you don't care, because you never care, of course. Like, no, No. what, no, this isn't
4: fair, Max. You have to think about other people. You only think about yourself. I mean, what am I supposed to do? Everything becomes so hard. Why? Like, why don't you think about anybody but yourself? Daddy. It's so hard. Daddy. It's not fair. We try so hard to make things normal, and it's just not. Is she going to get in trouble for you?
1: I thought she was so good in this episode. Like, I, you know, I, sh- I should defer to you, Shoshana. I, I really, I'm curious what you thought of what she said, because I have my opinion, but it would be much more interesting, I think, to hear yours first.
2: I really relate to her in this moment, because I know, like, whenever my brother would do something that you felt like you needed to yell at him for, like, it felt good just to yell at him. Like, and I think he got he would get it, you know, like, I did something wrong. Like, even if he didn't quite get it, like, just the fact of someone yelling at him, I was kind of it didn't ring as true for his parents to be like so calm, like about <laughs> about what happened to call him an adventure and like, let's hear about your adventure and all this stuff. Like I did feel more like Hattie, like I would be like, you, you know, you did something wrong. Like you did, you know, even if it doesn't get through, like even if it's for the sake of you as like a person, like needing to say like, you did something wrong. You made us worried like you, you know, so that they, you know who knows what could get through but like why don't you care you have to care about other people like I I I feel bad for her in that moment because that's just like what he can't do like he definitely can't do that right now and it's we know that's hard for him but just the fact of, you know, sometimes you just have to say like this was wrong and like maybe eventually that'll work. So I, I, I feel like Hattie, I, I think she had the right <laughs> the right reaction to it. And I I would have gone personally would have gone that route more than like, all right, well, you know, let's hear about your day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Caleb, what did you
1: think of like just their reaction to him coming home?
0: Yeah. Well, building off that, something I remember from watching it before and that I still feel now is real confusion about how discipline interacts with Max's autism. Because what lesson can he draw from the way they were speaking to him about today? Like, it's fine. My parents thought I went on an adventure. Well, that sounds great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And who wouldn't want to go on more adventures? Doesn't there have to be some consequence? You know, he says at the end of Hattie's tirade, he wants to know if she's going to be punished because he understands certain behaviors have certain consequences. Is it not possible to sit Max down and say, Max, there's a rule. You can't leave the house and not tell anyone where you're going. Yeah. right. Because I understand that he has a hard time changing plans Mm -hmm. and being flexible but does that just mean then that when he violates a really fundamental rule that he just suffers no consequences? Why would he not just do exactly what he did today again? Right. right. Not necessarily that I think yelling at him is the right thing. Although, gosh, my heart goes out to Hattie. Yeah. And this is what I remembered most about this episode before watching it again and. And I remember when I saw it back when it originally aired, feeling like Hattie was articulating what a lot of the audience must be feeling. Because I remember as an audience member thinking, yes, this is how I feel.
2: Yeah, and I think she was reacting also to her parents' reaction. It was like if if they had reacted to him in a way that made a little more sense, she wouldn't have needed to have that outburst. I agree. But because there was no... Like, at the end of the day, it's just like, what is the consequence? And they were not doing that. So it felt like she needed to express that. Yeah,
0: And also, Christina says he's been through a lot today. Who's been through the most today? Like, I honestly (laughs) feel like, look, Hattie is babysitting and didn't think she was going to be until about 12 hours ago or something. Right. Babysitting against her will. And then she has the panic of Max not being there. And then she's the one that has to get yelled at by her father over the phone. And then she's the one that has to talk to the police. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, Hattie's been through a lot today. I mean, they've all been through a lot today.
1: Max just didn't get to go to the museum. I've, You know, I, yeah. he was maybe a little freaked out when he was downtown, but he mostly seemed okay. He seemed unfazed by the time he got out of the cop car, you know? It wasn't like yeah. he was freaked out or scared. I might understand, Chris and Adam's reaction if he had been like, oh my God, I'll never do that again. That was so scary. You know, then you comfort. But like the fact yeah. that he was so like, got to go feed Blase. my... Life. Yeah, blasé. Yeah. It's like, why? And and I'm actually concerned. And again, I, I want to be so careful because like Caleb said, the disclaimer, I what what do I know about raising a kid with autism, nothing, you know, and so so I hope this isn't insensitive to say, but I worry at the lack of discipline throughout the series so far, you know, like, he yells that he doesn't care if Amber dies, because he was promised pancakes when they're at the hospital waiting to see if Amber's going to survive that car accident.
0: He did apologize for that, though. That's
1: true. That's true. So I guess that was like a consequence. At
0: least they seized on that. as a teaching moment. But Go on. Sorry.
1: But even like in that moment in the hospital when they're like taking him away because they realize, oh, that's humiliating. You remember like Max hits Christina and she's just <laughs> like, don't hit me as Please they're wa- don't me. Please don't yeah. hit me. Yeah. And, and I'm like, well... Maybe it's very hard to articulate you, you, you can't do that. But I'm like, is there no consequence for hitting your parent? Like, like can't can't they come up with a list of rules based on behaviors that he's exhibiting and giving yeah. consequences for those things? Because he understands yelling. You're not supposed to yell. But he doesn't understand, like, hitting my parent leaving the house you know all of these behaviors that are pretty dangerous and
0: what happened to the sticker system can he be eh, losing stickers yeah can can
1: something happen you know i know they don't have gabby anymore but it seems like the whole damn thing fell apart once she left and it makes me really nervous actually you know it it makes me concerned when i think about the little episodes with jabbar when they get into the fight again the consequences you have to apologize to jabbar but they're so upset that he has the consequence of lunch detention that they, like, go get Amber to sit with him and work with him. That ends up being a positive thing. It ends up being good, and I'm, I'm glad they do it. But I, I find it almost bizarre how upset Adam and Christina are at Max ever being punished. And I'm like, well, consequences are how kids learn not to be entitled and... I imagine even though he has autism, that would be something he would get like, you know, cause and effect. And yeah, yeah, I think
2: especially because this is something that can lead to actual harm. As you said, like he could run away again, like my brother went through like a period of running bolting from family places and and leaving the house and like wow. running outside we actually got like different locks like a new a different lock system for windows and doors because of that because he we you know we were trying everything to like prevent that from happening i mean he he never got super far luckily like i remember one time like we noticed he was gone and we went outside and i saw him like running down the the road and that was like the farthest like i'd ever seen him <laughs> go so How it wasn't scary though it is ve- it's very scary and but it's like yeah like that happened those things happen and we like did things to prevent it from happening again as you know best we could whereas like you don't see that happening and i guess maybe they're thinking like this is a one-time thing but it's there's really no follow-up to this incident where it's like oh max did this he could do it again what do we need to do to prevent this from it it is weird that there's never like a conversation about like what if max does this again yeah
1: (laughs) they just seem to take it on themselves and by like christina blaming herself for like working to me that seems like setting this up for happening again because yeah it's it's weird it's it's like oh clearly this happened because we miscommunicated well, right. yeah, that's very human to miscommunicate or to overbook or overschedule or overplan. Yeah. It's like they've completely absolved Max of any wrongdoing because they're like, uh I was mad at you. So I had my phone on silent and I went to work <laughs> and it's like, right. well, but yeah. he still left. That's separate from you being mad at Adam. Yeah, like what
0: about, we said, you're not going to the museum and you still win. Yeah. You're grounded. Yeah. Or something. Or something. You have to do what we say. That is a rule.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Or even just like, well, I, I guess we'll just have to be in the same room with him all the time now for the rest of his life because yeah. <laughs> that's... <laughs> right, I right. Guess that's how we'll deal with it. You know, it was just something like... <laughs> yeah,
1: that really bothered me, their, their reaction. And I thought, you are just setting him up for bad behavior in the future. And I get that he has autism, but it almost feels like, in their minds, that's like an excuse for him to do anything. Anything he wants, you know, like... I don't think it should mean that, you know. There should still be boundaries and expectations, and um, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, it's selling him short in a weird way. Yeah, he can't not to leave the house without telling anyone where he's going.
2: I mean, maybe eventually it could take some time, but yeah, yeah, to at least work, start working on it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and Shoshana, I like what you said, like maybe it isn't necessarily a consequence, but like it needs to be a conversation at least to start, you know, like it, it needs to, I mean, what Hattie said to him I just don't understand why the parents didn't say that. Like we were so worried. You know, I just don't understand why they're like adventurer. Like that really doesn't even make sense yeah, to me. Yeah. I mean, it's
2: possible they're just like it's not going to do any good sure. or you know. I, I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking, but he could have died. Yeah. Like he, you know, he could have like walked across the street and gotten hit by a car. Yeah. He absolutely could have died. I definitely would have been in the state that Hattie was in. And also, like, I'm sure she felt extremely responsible Mm -hmm. in that moment. I mean, at least I would be, like, because... I, she was watching him, and she she messed up. Yeah,
0: and she loves him too. She was, yeah. She wasn't just mad; she was worried. And
2: I know, like, I concerned. mean, knowing their relationship and knowing that like how I would feel if it were my brother, like, like even just going through that experience and having him return safe, like, it's still devastating. It's yeah, like, yeah.
0: Well, I wish they would have had a conversation with Max. They did at least have a conversation with Hattie.
3: I know I'm in trouble.
0: No, no, you're not in trouble.
3: I'm really sorry.
0: Can you
5: scoot over?
3: Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't mean to lose Max, and I
0: can't yell at him for something that's not in his control.
5: What happened today wasn't your fault, Addie. If anything, your mother and I should have... done a better job rescheduling for Max. You are upset. You've got a right to be upset. You handle a lot, Addie, and you handle it really well, and sometimes your mother and I forget how hard it is on you. It's okay. It's fine. No, it's not fine.
3: I guess it's not fine, but it is the way that it is, right, so.
5: Yeah. I'm sorry, it's hard. I mean, I don't know, it's not his fault, but, it
0: just sucks a little. I really loved that scene because, you know, we ragged so much on Adam, especially last episode. But I think he's so wonderful here. He is. And I don't say that to excuse his very selfish behavior lately. But I admire that the show is demonstrating that those traits exist within the same people. Yeah. Like Adam is not entirely selfish, nor is he entirely caring and nurturing like he is to Hattie here. He's both simultaneously. Yeah. And I often feel like shows that are perceived as more prestigious than Parenthood are often praised for having deeply flawed characters. And sometimes that just irks me because, like, I feel like some of those characters are defined by their flaws or that the flaws are so outrageous that there's no way I can relate to them. Like... Yeah, Tony Soprano is deeply flawed, but I cannot relate to putting a hit <laughs> on a member of my own family. You know? And the way we've been re-examining Adam all throughout this podcast, it doesn't make me hate him. No. And if anything, I'm actually finding him one of the most fascinating characters on the show. Because if you just kind of give it a cursory watch, it's easy to peg him as like a kind of one note good guy. But he's really complicated he's really complex and he's very flawed Mm -hmm. in ways that people I actually know and love are flawed too. He has a temper issue and he's not great at empathy all the time. And he has a complex about doing the right thing. I'm always doing the right thing. Let's work backward from there. Anyway, I I liked that. And I liked his acknowledgement to Hattie of like, yeah, the situation just sucks. And there's maybe not a solution to it, but... I will sit here in the suck with you, <laughs> <laughs> Caleb. That's beautifully put. Love yeah, that.
2: I really like Hattie's response, though, where she's like, "It just sucks a little." Like that—that's really relatable to me because I—I don't really look at my relationship with my brother like the situation of having an autistic sibling is like sucking that much. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, but I like the idea of like it just sucks a little, like because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like there's so much good, and I think Hattie. I mean that's the thing i think with a lot of siblings it's like you don't want someone you love so much to be this source of like source of sucking you know (laughs) source of of things sucking like because you love them so like you don't want that to also be like this negative thing Hmm. but to like say like okay like it sucks it just sucks a little like i really like that
0: yeah well, all relationships have their good things, their challenges,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: then their advantages. Right. You know, my m- mom has physical disabilities.
4: Mm-hmm. I'm right. thankful
0: all the time that mentally she is 100% right. and that I can enjoy that kind of relationship. But physical disabilities introduce their own issues, too. She needs a Absolutely. lot of support. a lot of times. And sometimes it's really frustrating. And sometimes it sucks a little.
4: Yeah,
1: I guess I I didn't even really think about how I could relate. But growing up with my father, who, you know, had um, two major strokes when I was six. And so it was very difficult to communicate with him. And that sucked a little. (laughs) Sometimes that sucked a lot, because we were very, very close when I was really little. And then, you know, how close can you be to someone you can't have real conversations with? But I don't know, maybe maybe there's a different kind of closeness. We could be physically close. We could sit together and watch Wheel of Fortune. We could laugh, you know. It is difficult, I think, to grow up and have someone in your family where it's just a little bit harder for that person than for everyone else. But then that difficulty also sort of extends to the family because the family is taking care of that
0: person. When Hattie says we try so hard to make it normal and it's just not yeah and that would be frustrating and i also wonder if that's maybe part of dealing with it is not trying to make it normal but yeah. maybe accepting it for what it is and right. and for them it is normal because that's the way that it is yeah like it's not like hattie is owed a certain kind of brother she has the brother that she has yeah and i think she gets that i mean and once Adam goes and talks to her, and she says, "I know I can't yell at him for something that's not in his control," she understands. Like, right? That thing—that's why I appreciated her outburst because it did feel so human. Like, right? How could she not feel that? Yeah,
1: normal—such a charged word, anyway. I don't even know if she would have used the word normal if she weren't like so heightened and frustrated, and you know, yeah. like, like. It didn't seem like she was being her most articulate self in that moment you know she was just like i'm so upset and i need to process it and get it out and you all need to hear me yeah
0: so well moving on contrivances aside i thought that babysitting nora felt like a very organic way to address an issue that i know we've briefly wondered about before Mm -hmm which is, does the age difference between Sarah and Mark mean that they might be in different stages of life or, or want different things? And that came up very naturally, I thought. I could totally see having a baby with you.
4: Um,
0: I'm sorry. Is that a weird? I didn't... I, I just said that out loud. I'm, I'm really tired and I'm not thinking <laughs> about what I'm saying. I'm sorry, I, my brain usually filters that stuff out. Did that? Are you freaked out? Scale of one to 10, how badly are you freaked out? Can be, be honest? Two.
4: Memorized
0: Two where one is low and 10 is
4: high?
1: The regular? i loved that i thought that was really beautiful and i was surprised because you know i hadn't recalled her saying two (laughs) and (laughs) i was like oh wow i think if i were sarah that would freak me out more than a two and i guess maybe that's just a is that a sign of how close she feels with mark you know or is this something she really is thinking about or because
0: i agree i I don't know if it would freak me out but i would not consider it I wouldn't entertain the idea at all. If I was in my 40s and my existing children were almost out of the house, I would not restart all (laughs) over again. No way. But, I, yeah, I think it must speak to that she feels something brand new with him and, like, worthy of reconsidering that. And she might, because she does feel like such a failure a lot of the time, Hmm. she wasn't planning either pregnancy, which she has confessed the idea of like doing it quote unquote right mm-hmm. maybe it's believable I just wouldn't do it <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is a good point though it would be a very different experience than it was with Seth you know it wouldn't be so dramatic and highs and lows all over the place it would be pretty steady I can actually think of right off the top of my head two people who had kids with like a second like spouse or a second person after their older kid or kids you know were were pretty close to being out of the house yeah i have friends who
2: yeah they want to do it differently or it's like with the like i want a kid with this person or whatever it is like i yeah i've seen both situations like no i'm done or I'd like to do it again and differently this time.
0: Well, that makes me feel a little better. I think I just thought, who would do this? (laughs) Apparently, a lot of people.
2: I think I've seen like a narrative on TV shows with a woman who has had a kid or kids, and they're older and they're with someone who says like, I want a kid with you. And she's like, no, I'm done. I think I've seen that a lot. Jane the Virgin. Jane the Virgin. I was definitely thinking of that (laughs) one.
0: It was an issue on Gilmore Girls, right? Like both with... Luke and Christopher, the idea that maybe Lorelai would have more kids or not, but I forget what her stance on that ever was.
5: I
1: think Christopher wanted them when they got married in season seven. So, so dumb. I don't know if they ever talked (laughs) about it with Luke. I mean, they did in the revival, but at that point I'm like, you guys are in your 50s. I think the ship has sailed (laughs) if you haven't talked about it. But yeah, I don't know. I love Mark and Sarah together so much. That I was very happy with that scene. But it is an interesting thing to watch as a woman who is exactly Sarah's age. <laughs> I'm 40, she's 40, not Lauren Graham's age, but Sarah's, and who has chosen not to have children at all. You know, like, Caleb, your reaction was my reaction. I'm like, I'm not doing, that. but I, of course, wouldn't have done it at all in the first place. I wouldn't have had Amber or Drew, and they're wonderful, you know? So I wonder if that goes through her head. Like, if you're a person who's already had kids and gosh, they're wonderful. And look what we had to work with. We had this deadbeat guy who was sometimes around, but mostly not. What would it be like if I had one with this super? Yeah, I think I just
0: think about the the ways in which you put your life on pause. Yes. To raise and rear a child. Yeah. And Sarah's life has already been on pause for 19 years. Yeah. And if she has another baby now, then that just doubles. Oh, I just couldn't imagine. But some people can't imagine that, and that's good. And I do think it's something Sarah and Mark need to talk about. They totally because if do. Because he wants kids, yeah, you know, he's totally entitled to, to want them. Yes. And um, if that weren't something she was wanting to do, you know, that might be a very understandable deal breaker for him.
1: This seems like a natural storyline. I almost said conflict, but as of right now, it doesn't seem to be a conflict at all. She said two, you know? So we'll right. we'll see where that goes.
0: All right, well, let's go to Crosby. Yeah. Lest we forget, he slept with Jasmine in the previous episode.
5: So speaking of Amber um, trying to get a job, I slept with Jasmine the other day. (coughs) Oops. And I was hoping that maybe you've done the same thing with Seth and could advise me on said situation. Has that ever happened? That's a yes. (laughs) Yes. Good, so this is something that happens. to be people do this.
3: It's the mother of your child, you know. It's a pretty special connection.
5: Yeah. Yeah, it's complicated. You know, we were telling Jabbar that we weren't getting married and it was kinda of sad. We were we were both sad and then we started drinking wine and, and then, uh, you know. I know. I haven't talked to her. I don't really know what I'm supposed to say to her. Do you think this is going to make everything different?
3: It depends on whether or not you want everything to be different.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
5: What if I don't know?
0: I think there's a missing piece in this, which is, does Jasmine want yes. everything to be different?
1: <laughs> totally. I like to think that might be what Sarah meant. It's, uh, oh,
0: yeah. Maybe you meant. You. Okay. Yeah,
1: it could be. Earlier when you said that Christina was the star of this episode, I actually thought Crosby was the star of this episode. I can see that. Yeah. I I. I loved him. I loved him so much. And it's funny. I don't think I've ever really noticed this before. And again, I think it's part of just doing the podcast, The Deep Dives but I almost get emotional (laughs) thinking about the growth that he has had this season what was consistently bothering me ever since he cheated on Jasmine? It wasn't even really the act of cheating haunting her as much as it was his almost nonchalance about it. Or like, you know, like, like whatever, I, I made this mistake. God, when is everyone gonna let it go? You know, and, and the way that he treated Jasmine starting to date Dr. Joe, I was just very angry at him for, for the way he acted. And I feel like last episode and this episode, He's, like, truly getting it. What he says to Jasmine in, at the end of this episode, I thought was so beautiful. And, like, finally, he gets it.
5: You know, when Jabbar hurt his wrist yesterday, Dr. Joe was at a football game. Like, in the middle of the game at the 50-yard line. And he came to help Jabbar. Which was really nice. It was super nice, and- he treats Jabbar really well, and I'm I'm guessing that he treats you the same. He does. And you deserve that.
4: <laughs> no, I don't.
5: Yes, you do. No, I don't. Yeah, you do.
3: No, how? I'm I'm doing the same thing you did to me. <laughs> I can't believe I'm about to put him through that. You
5: not well then, don't. Not saying anything. I mean, it's your decision, but speaking from experience, I don't think you should lose everything you have for something that shouldn't happen in the first place. There's always going to be a part of me that loves you. That's just how it is. But I'm really sorry that that part keeps doing horrible things to you. You don't deserve that. You deserve better.
1: I feel like last episode, he got the magnitude of what his actions had cost his son. And I think in this one, he gets the magnitude of what his actions have cost her and that she doesn't deserve it. And why do I keep hurting you? And the idea that like, my selfishness is hurting you. It may seem loving that I still love you or that I'm willing to help you cheat on Dr. Joe. But guess what? That's not actually loving. That is destructive and it's hurting her. Love that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I didn't remember it in detail. Me neither. And I I was kind of astounded by it. And that how long the show dragged out him realizing that. Which I actually, it was frustrating, but it feels really true now. Like yes. It took him a while, but it's starting to sink in. And, you know, earlier when I said that I, I thought Adam, when he apologized to Christina, he apologized for such a small part of what I think the whole problem was, that I thought it was very fascinating to contrast that to Crosby's apology because Crosby seems to have really reached an understanding about, like you said, the whole magnitude of all of this. I'm not even sure his advice to her <laughs> is all that great, <laughs> but while the gesture is remarkable and the crisscross nature of it is really satisfying because I think Jasmine's right that she is the Crosby in this situation yeah. and that Joe is the Jasmine and she knows that Joe is going to be as hurt as she remembers being. But then there's the irony of Crosby pointing out that if she's him, then her next step is she loses everything she loves. Yeah. And it's agonizing. So it's a, I thought it was a really deft way of getting her to understand what he went through mm-hmm. when they broke up. Yeah. Like how do you get the person who was cheated on to sympathize with the cheater? And the fact that the show, I think, is sort of doing that yeah. in a way that felt so plausible. Like, wow.
1: <sighs> also, something you said about how long it took and how that felt very true. Yes, I would like to point out that scene last season when Julia sort of clumsily tells Jasmine, he's so different. He's like totally changed <coughs> in these three or four weeks since he cheated on you and how stupid and, and hollow that sounded. Now it's like, what, a year later or something. I yeah. I buy it. I buy that in the course of a year when your life completely changes and you stop just thinking, I got to get her back. Grand gesture, grand gesture. I got to. And he just like lives in the pain and, and realizes Dr. Joe is actually great. You should be with someone like that. You know, just. Yeah. yeah. And the way Ugh. he was
0: with him, that was amazing growth, too, because, again, I couldn't remember what happens so when Jabbar got hurt. My first thought was, well, Crosby's right. Now he's going to have to go to Jasmine's boyfriend mm. for help. And this is exactly what he warned about. It was so much more surprising to see them be really respectful of one another. Not just Crosby respecting Joe, but Joe really being respectful of Crosby, too. That was really gratifying, especially since I think the last time we saw them together was when Joe basically said, I'm not going anywhere. We need to get along. And they are. Yeah, And I was like, that's great. But now there's this tension in that scene because it's not just jealousy about what a good man Joe is, and it's not just feeling threatened, but now he's feeling guilty because he slept with
1: his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> um, Shoshana, I know you've watched the whole show, and that we just kind of dropped you back into the world yeah. right here. What were your thoughts on Jasmine and Crosby? Just yeah. like, yeah.
2: I mean, this was a storyline that I did not remember that well. I completely forgotten about <laughs> Doctor.
1: Joe. We did well. We didn't forget about Doctor. Joe, but we forgot. I certainly didn't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but
1: we forgot that they slept with each other while she was with Doctor. Joe. Yeah,
2: I forgot that. Like, I I forgot all of this. So it was, just really good to, <laughs> it was really good to revisit it and, and remember that all this happened. Because you're right, this is a huge, important thing for Crosby. I wonder, just like having this business with his brother, I wonder if that contributes a lot to his growth just as a person. Like, I know when I'm with my sister, like, the good things about her rub off on me. Mm. Not that Adam's, like, the greatest, but he it does have a another level of experience with being in a relationship you know I I wouldn't be surprised yeah I mean like
1: I do think it's interesting that Crosby seems more professionally fulfilled than ever before and Mm -hmm. that must be giving him a lot of confidence and I think I could see Adam's responsibility rubbing off but I could also see like working with Adam up close maybe seeing oh he's not as perfect as I thought he was like not in an even bad way not in a judgy way but just in a like he's just human like me. We're just trying our best. Like the speech he gave to Rachel, you know, like we're all just like, yeah. And there was a song in this episode about, about we're all just human after all. (laughs) I don't know, man. Like maybe, maybe there's something to that. Like, or like Adam kind of messed up by letting Rachel kiss him and I think kind of returning it a little bit and you know I wonder if that also makes him think well I would never have thought that could have happened to Adam you know maybe I should forgive myself but but also appropriately like recognize what the impact of what I've done I I don't know I just whatever has caused it I'm so grateful for it because I was starting to get so annoyed and I'm like I know Crosby's one of my favorite characters but first part of the season I'm like oh stop whining you caused all this
0: (laughs) well it's almost a cliche to say like really loving someone is putting their needs before your own but it's a cliche because it's true and you know at the end of season two when he was buying the house still really the goal was i gotta win her back yes and i get that but man in this episode putting her needs and well-being above his own is precisely what he was doing because it does seem like if you want a wedge to get her back you just slept with her. Like, it seems like... And she's planning to tell Joe. Yeah. If you're going to find a way back to each other, this is a good first step. But he's thinking, what's really best for her? Yeah. And I think it might be this relationship. So even though I won't get what I want... And I, I loved in that speech, I mean, just to make it absolutely perfect, he says, I mean, it's your decision. But Yeah. So it's not even advice. It's just like his two cents. Boy, if I were you, if I could redo... Well, I guess maybe what he's he saying is I I <laughs> <laughs> That but, part's
1: not great, no. Yeah,
0: I didn't yeah, <laughs> I didn't feel that. But still, it's very selfless.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I guess maybe I should be more pissed that they slept together and and that poor Dr. Joe did nothing to deserve that. But I I I don't know. I guess I feel like, well, it was such an interesting way to show this this growth of Crosby, which is what a weird thing to say. By him making another mistake with sex, <laughs> we've learned about his growth, but whatever, you know, it 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 happened the way it happened, and I, I think it was yeah. still kind of beautiful. Maybe
0: the really selfless thing would have been when she said, I think you should go. <laughs> he should
1: have left. <laughs> he should, he left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree Just with
0: avoided that. this all. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, last storyline begins with a little. Pete's product placement.
3: Hey, hmm. I was just came over to see if you needed anything. But you're all set. It's a Pete's. Yep. You're good. <laughs> I thought it might be easier if we gave each other some space for a little while. Yeah, I. I get that. Great. I, mean, I totally understand if. If you and um, Joel need time to think about it, and I get it. So I understand. No problem. Zoe. There's nothing for us to think about. What you're asking is not going to happen. But I need time to think about it. We need time to get over it.
0: I know we mulled over last episode. If maybe there was some other sort of arrangement, Joel and Julia could try to strike with Troy and Zoe so they weren't paying for the baby, but maybe they got something out of it. But practically speaking, I do think that this very clear-cut approach is the best. It, I it do draws too. a very strict boundary, but it's tough.
1: I agree with you. Like, I mean, I think I was swayed in the last episode by just how much I love Zoe, you know? And I'm like, who could deny her anything? She's had a hard life. <laughs> just help her. But I don't know that that's actually the the right thing. And I, I went back and forth in this episode. There were moments where I thought that Julia's, like, straightforward approach was really good with setting boundaries. There were times I thought maybe it was a, a little harsh. This wasn't one of those times. I, I really did think the way she phrased that, we don't need time to think about it. We need time to get over it. I thought, that's really well put. It wasn't cruel. It was just direct.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Harsh is the last line of this scene.
4: Hi.
3: I don't want her to see you. It's, you know, a little hard to explain. Well, I just came to tell you that Troy is not a bad guy. (sighs) Zoe, I haven't had what you would call a cushy life, okay? And Troy just thinks that this could finally make things easier for me. I know it looks like he's being a huge jerk, but it's just because he really loves me, you know? All right. You've been so nice to me, and you're this amazing woman that's done all these amazing things, and I'm just some pathetic girl that listens to whatever her boyfriend tells her to do, right? No, Zoe, you're not pathetic. You're strong. You're probably stronger than you know. But right now, I have to take my daughter to the park. I'm so sorry. Me too. I
0: would have been a great mother to your baby. Boom. Oof. I thought this scene really hit hard. And especially after what we talked about last week, I think Zoe makes a lot of sense. But I did question in this initial scene whether she believed it 100% Mm -hmm. or if she was like a mouthpiece for Troy and Mm -hmm. she was sort of letting him push her around a little bit. But I thought, well, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. And it certainly doesn't have to be one or the other. Right. It could be... Anywhere in between. And while I do think Julia was a little harsh, especially with that last line, I also kind of forgave it because I thought she's been dealt a tough blow and she has to handle that herself. It's not her responsibility to make sure Zoe feels okay about it.
1: It's a good point. But
0: what it did really make me think is that their affection for each other is extremely conditional. Yes, their relationship ceases to exist if Zoe's not going to give her her baby.
1: That's what broke my heart about it, you know? And yeah. and I thought, okay, I'm trying to really be sympathetic to Julia because I, I think I just look at Zoe's little face and I just, I just <laughs> you know, she's just <laughs> bursting into tears and I'm like, oh God, I, I just, I don't know. I guess I just, maybe this is unfair, but I keep thinking, well, Julia will be all right. Like, even though this is heartbreaking and zoe had signed the papers i feel like one way or another you know she and her husband are are rich and in good standing and like i feel like they will probably get a baby but i'm like you have sort of taken this girl in and you know kind of made her feel loved probably for the first time ever and for her to really be made that like clear oh it was just because I was going to give you the baby. You acted that's for a while. Very good point. Yeah, you acted for a while like you really cared about me before I even signed the papers or said you could have the baby. But that was kind of a ruse, wasn't it? Just to get the baby. You know, that's how I felt. I felt sort of betrayed by lines like "I, I would have been a great mother to your baby." I thought, I get that that sucks that she went back on it because of her boyfriend and everything. But man. Try to think about you know she's young alone she's like really stuck between what her boyfriend's saying and and what you know what a hard horrible position to be in and I thought just. Don't be cruel. Just be firm with the boundaries. But like, even when she was like, I don't want you to talk to Sydney. I'm like, well, that's mean. I don't know. I mean, I get like, you don't want it to be confusing for Sydney. I I do get that. But gosh, she kind of maybe treated her like a bit of a criminal on her doorstep. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe she's crossing a boundary coming over. You crossed about a million boundaries with Zoe. So anyway, those were my yeah Yeah.
0: When she returned at the end, and then the fact that Julia let her in, I thought, okay, well, that does show it's not entirely conditional that's at least something and i liked that zoe even said before going inside like i can't promise yeah but even that it's it's like Zoe saying okay i get that it's conditional (laughs) i just literally had nowhere else to go but you know i suppose julia could have said not my problem i'm glad she did she didn't so so hopefully there's a way forward there
1: can i tell you that was my biggest cry I think thus far on the entire series, which might sound nuts, like really? I don't know why that got me, but like Julia hugging her and being like, "It's okay, come in." Like, I just really love Zoe, first of all, but like there was something me about too. I just was aching the entire episode for for Zoe, and then for Julia. In that moment, it felt like this is not the smartest thing for them to do to forge ahead with this friendship, but it's human and it's kind and it's. Like almost the idea that maybe the, the friendship could transcend whatever happens with the baby, which I loved, I don't know that really got me
0: well, and Zoe does confirm that it was largely Troy's voice speaking that she didn't well, she says I told him I didn't agree with him, yeah, so Zoe doesn't even want more money, and keeping that in mind, then she is between like well, my boyfriend hates me, and the woman who's gonna who was gonna adopt my baby. Apparently hates me now, too. Oh. And I'm pregnant with a child I can't take care of. Wow. And I work at a coffee cart. That's hard. That is rough.
1: Yeah. I think maybe sometimes... The Braverman stuff doesn't make me cry as much as some of the people swirling around the Bravermans, because I'm like, those Bravermans are in a pretty good place. Like, they're all going to be fine. (laughs) I mean, that doesn't mean they're (laughs) invincible. You know, I mean, you're right. Max could have died. You know, like, things could happen (laughs) to them. (laughs) But I guess I just mean, like, barring some sort of tragedy like that, you know, like, When we talk about privilege, you know, like they're, they're okay as far as they have money and security and yeah, just, they, they have certain things that other people they meet don't necessarily have. And,
0: and a huge network of family around, you know, I always think about when someone, you know, falls into homelessness. Yeah. Something I always think about is they must have no family because when I try and put myself in their shoes and think, what would it take for me to end up living on the street? every family member I have would need to either shun me or be dead yeah and then that's a nice reminder of how fortunate I am
1: yeah yeah that's exactly why that line of Julia's while it may even be deserved and I I certainly don't fault her for it I wasn't mad at her or anything but I did think oh try to Try to extend some great. I I know you're disappointed, but look at this sobbing (laughs) girl on your doorstep. Like she's, I think, doing the best she can.
0: (laughs) So. Well, I love that you brought up that song earlier, Melissa, Ah. that played over the end. I also really loved it. It's called Human After All by Michael Logan and Sierra Noble. And I really felt like it was the perfect theme to this episode. And honestly, the entire series. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I, I think it's what I really do love about this show in particular, because all the characters are (laughs) only human. (laughs) But they're all trying and all of their hearts are in the right place. And I, I like to think that's the kind of person I am, which I think is why I find it so relatable, even when the stories are not things that I literally relate to. Yeah. With this episode specifically, I did think there were a lot of characters who needed to extend grace to another character. To another character. I feel like it said character. Character. <laughs> to another character. And they all did because they're only human. Well. Yeah. And it was really beautiful. I loved this episode. I did too. I remembered really only the Max storyline. Which I loved, but I loved every storyline. I felt like all the characters were kind of firing on all cylinders.
1: I feel like this episode is a really great example of why I love the show. And I kept thinking as we were rewatching, like that season two did that for me. And, and there were definitely moments. But I feel like we're in a real stretch right now where I'm like, God this is so good. I feel like this is maybe, for me, some of the best of the entire series. Just like, I just keep thinking each episode, well, this was another amazing one. <laughs> this one yeah. too. And and I'm like, man, I, I think season three is probably my favorite, at least so far. Upcoming seasons will have to really work hard to top them. I don't, I, this might be my favorite season. We'll see as we keep going, but I love it.
0: What did you think of it? Just plopping back into one after a decade, Shoshana?
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, this was definitely a good one to watch as, as just like a one-off episode. It was a good reacquainting or reintroduction <laughs> to, the, to the show and the characters. Love that.
0: Well, it was great to have your perspective, especially on the Max and Hattie storyline. Yes, yeah, thank, no, you, thank again. you so
2: much for having me. This was a lot of fun. And I was just again so great to revisit the show.
0: And we're so glad you did. I failed to mention at the top of the episode that I believe Shoshana is making a bit of history on our podcast because I think she is the first fellow podcaster to be a guest on our show so this is the part of the podcast where we usually ask people if they have anything to plug but since i forgot to mention it let me just say
4: first
0: (laughs) shoshana has a great podcast called scene to song for anyone who is a lover of musicals or theater i highly recommend it
2: yeah um we bring on a guest to talk about musical theater show a, a writer a topic or trends in musical theater and we're in the middle of the fourth season of wow that.
0: that's incredible yeah well in addition to the podcast Shoshana is also a fantastic writer Where can people find you online and maybe find some info about your writing?
2: Yeah, so um, I have a website, shoshanagreenberg.com. Definitely check things out there on Instagram at Shoshana Creates, Twitter at vmarshmallow, and that's actually spelled M E L L O. Oh, gosh. Gotcha. Then my website will link to there. You'll you can get to the podcast that way. You can get to like my SoundCloud that way. I'll, you know,
0: one stop shop.
2: Yeah. yeah so
0: <laughs> nice. Perfect. And Melissa, where can listeners check out information about our podcast?
2: Well, you could
1: certainly follow us on all the social media. You know. Twitter's one, and Facebook is another. Instagram is a third. And it's Parenthood Pals everywhere.
0: Including ParenthoodPals.com. Thank you again, Shoshana. Thank you. And thank you to everyone for listening. Until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your
1: wishes all come true.